Another episode of On My Own Vibe. I'm your host, Nikki D, and I am sitting here with Taylor. Would you love... Ah! <laughs> okay, just please keep it in at this point. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to be like, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah. Um, hi, my name is Taylor. I run an Instagram page called Fem is the New Black, um, where I, I like to explore feminine, fe- femininity. Um, I can speak English, I promise. Femininity, um, sexuality, and expression, mostly through the form of fashion. Oh, that's dope. That's, that's, oh yeah, we're going to dive into that. Um, But I also want to take this opportunity because before we started recording, um, you asked me to talk a little bit more about myself and also this kind of ties into why I am so um, interested in this topic and I really wanted to talk about it. Um, So my name is Nikki. (laughs) I am on this journey to figure out what pleasure means to different people mm-hmm. and to explore the world of pleasure, right? Um, I, I host this podcast and from now on, every season is going to be different. So next season, I'm going to actually ask a whole bunch of people questions that I've always wanted to ask. But um, pleasure to me is something that I've kind of always been obsessed with as a kid. I just didn't know how to articulated and I didn't know what it meant right like um I was I I experienced pleasure as a child playing sports and that's how I related to people I experienced pleasure as a child um playing with whatever toys I wanted to like my parents didn't limit me to just girls toys quote-unquote or boys toys right like I played with G.I. Joe's just as much as I played with Barbies just as much as I played with Legos it really depended on how I felt that particular day. And so I felt like I've always had this um, opportunity to explore and express myself in ways that some people might not. And how, even though I was able to do that growing up, there were many aspects of my life that I did not find um, uh, pleasurable to myself, right? So uh, whether that was being a late bloomer, so my first real sexual experience was in college and I was like, oh my God, I've been missing this, this is crazy to having that happen and not really having as intense um, sexual pleasurable experience since then, right? Mm -hmm. I've explored different aspects of BDSM and spirituality and weightlifting the physicality of uh, of feeling my body change and do what I want it to. That's a very pleasurable experience for me Mm -hmm. Um, to being a a cannabis enthusiast, right? So um, as I got into... BDSM and learning more things um, that we talk about, you know, the previous season, even filmmaking, I started having these questions. And so um, I really just wanted to explore that with as many different people that I possibly could. And that's how we got here. So um, one of my biggest, uh, I guess, pleasures in life is experiencing um, feminine, what is it? Uh, Feminine divinity. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I love being around feminine women. Um, Most of my closest friends 
are feminine and those that aren't, we are very comfortable with our feminine energy. Um, of course, not femininity doesn't necessarily belong to women, but uh, I also love women too. So there's that. <laughs> but, um, it is a plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk with someone who was knowledgeable and had really interesting thoughts on the topic. And so I saw you and I was like, oh, let me reach out and see if they'll be on the show. I'm honestly so flattered. (laughs) So uh, tell us more about what you love to do and why uh, you chose this platform. Well, I think it actually started out with me more from uh, a race and representation perspective because I kind of went through this whole journey to realizing that or more of just identifying as a femme lesbian and it started out oh my goodness actually um just like I actually posted very recently it was like explaining exactly like what my experience had been when I was younger is that I was so desperate to really fit into or be recognized as a gay woman that I kind of just picked up and presented myself as what I kind of thought like a, a gay woman would look like, which, mm. you know, growing up in the early 2000s, it was a little bit androgynous, you know, but definitely like leaning more towards masculine, like mm. a girl who you look at and you're like, oh, is that a guy or is that a girl? You know, like you, mm. you have to question it. And so for me, um, I you know came out as a lesbian at that time. I had also decided to go natural, so I had like this like very short hair, um, and I adopted this mostly androgynous fashion choice, and it was just my way of playing the role and and being able to be recognized as a gay woman like without question. And you know I don't you know I'm not like mad at myself for like anything <laughs> like that. And to be quite honest, like everybody explores in their own way. And I'm glad that I, I did go through that whole period because now it's like, there was like this little bit of comfort in, in being a little bit more masculine and calling myself like a little bit of soft butch and, and, and being able to just feel gay, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. But then it's like, now I've gone through this journey of getting to the point where yes, I am a femme lesbian. Yes, I, I I look feminine. Like I more or less look straight, but it just gives me this like strong sense of security. And it's that, it's that, that feminine divinity of like, I am just so insanely beautiful and gorgeous that everybody's attracted to me. Like that's the narrative that, that I <laughs> to myself. It's, it is, it is completely obnoxious, but just that idea of being a very high femme, of being very glamorous, of being very flamboyant and very open in that femininity, that was just something that I found so much security in. And it's been super enjoyable. And I've I've almost felt like I can be significantly more expressive and significantly more myself with the feminine fashion choices as opposed to just sitting within that like masculine or that even that androgynous bubble. Oh, that that one sounds amazingly beautiful. Two, I would love because um, there's a discussion amongst my group of friends, and we were trying to define what high femme actually means. Because mm-hmm. I really do think that there's 
Um, actually, I, I rather I would love your opinion before I go ahead and say what was said. Uh, how would you define high film? I would define it as everything and nothing. Mm, yes. <laughs> the more that I began to delve into those, just like the terms like femme and butch, it was kind of like, I guess, oh my goodness, because this is like delving into a conversation about labels and I don't know <laughs> if I'm like articulate enough to really go into that. Um, but I, the more that I understand Femme Butch historically, like it was, it was a very specific role that mm-hmm. really had a very specific reasoning to it like it, it you were more or less like putting on a play for like it, it's completely based off of the historical context but then you know high femme is just a little bit of a piece of that that it doesn't it doesn't really translate exactly the same way that it would with within like today's framework so i think if if it was the year like 1960 i would probably have a pretty solid answer for you yeah. um but I guess, yeah, it's, it's more, I think right now it's more of just a term, like whatever portion of the term, like makes you feel comfortable. Cause I even, what I was noticing when it came to starting my platform was, okay, femme tends to be used a lot for a very like eighties housewife version of a femme lesbian. And it was because I didn't really feel connected to that, that I was like, okay, can we let's try something else. Like where's, where's, where do the other people fit in? You know, like where, where do the black women fit in? Where do the the Megan Thee Stallions of the world who, you know, are queer, but are almost like, no, like literally she is this like very mainstream version of a hyper feminine woman. Where do those people go? And so like, when I look at her, I would consider her to be, I mean, like just kind of like visually like high femme. Like that, that was the aesthetic that I was going for and what I was thinking about when I started um, the platform originally. And so that for me is, is, is what high femme was defined as. Um, but I'm also curious, I feel like I've just added to the drama in your friend group now because I haven't uh-huh. had a clear answer. <laughs> no, no, I, I actually agree. I think, well, the way that um, what I was particularly arguing was to me high film is a presentation level label Mm is it isn't necessarily well i mean we we do associate it with behaviors right but i think that's just how we look at femininity as a society in the first place right um but to me it's kind of like i i'm the opposite of that right like i present masculine and i am masculine centered but i'm very feminine (laughs) like there are things about me that are extremely feminine and um, if I say like, oh, my partner is high femme, to me, that means she presents as such, but most likely if she's my partner, she's probably going to be a little bit aggressive, quote unquote, as well. And she's going to have some masculine characteristics about her because I tend to be attracted to really well-balanced people. I think everyone has a different combination of several of those things, um, so I actually am more leaning towards what you were saying is like, yeah, I can understand how people associate that with the wifey type, right? Yeah. Or um, the homemaking type or like 
you know, these uh, outdated, but also not even realistic ideas of what femininity is. However, the nails, the eyebrows, the, mm-hmm. the dress, the, the hair, the makeup, all of that, um, that aspect to me is very high femme. Um, and I love it. I think it's amazing. As I'm a really big Megan Thee Stallion fan too. So, I mean, sexy. Is it? at this right. point, not, get get it together. Right, right. <laughs> but um, uh, my next question, because you you mentioned it earlier, you were talking about finding your power in your femininity. Um, me personally, I think femme people are so powerful. Again, I'm attracted to it, so maybe that's what it, why it speaks to me. But um. There is this, you also talked about experiencing, it's not a dullness of androgyny. I do think it's almost like, like I don't want to say fitting in your skin, um, um, but I've had conversations with people who talk about who might dress both ways or they might be a little andro um, of how they felt people treated them differently when they presented themselves in masculine form. Mm-hmm. And I find that interesting. We know why, right? Like, we know the reasons behind this. Um, However, I love you talking about, I found my power rejecting that and and really embracing my femininity and my feminine presentation. Um, Can we talk a little bit more about that and how you got to that point? Yeah, for sure. I think when I first was, I mean, because it was very much like a, a conscious decision of, okay, I am this gay woman. I want other gay women to be able to recognize me as such. How do I do that? And so like my, my everyday outfit, you know, I was like, let's wear plaid. Uh, let's wear Converse. Like, let's bring out uh, a snapback. And I think, at, you know, at that time too, I was just, I was like just getting into college and it was a little bit of like an awkward phase um, for me. And again, it was, it was also like right before um, I had kind of cut off my hair. So I was, I was wearing a lot of hats. I was, I was trying to like cover up. Like I, I it's almost like I wanted people to look at me, but then I, I, I didn't want them to like at the same time. Um, and I'd always, you know, I, when I was younger, I'd had this like really horrible time with dating to begin with. So it was like, on the one hand, I was gay. I wanted gay people to be able to recognize me. I wanted to find that group. Like I wanted the validation. I, it was almost like I needed somebody to, to recognize it before I felt like I was a part of this community. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, it was like, I want to hide. Like I, I, I just want to slip away and and not be noticed. And when I'm dressing in a very you know plain palette, um, nothing to like very little jewelry. Every once in a while, I wear pearls, but it was just it was very much like a muted kind of aesthetic. And then there were those moments where I was like, well, you know what? I really want to like you know dress up today. I actually remember I used to have this pair of. Um, Tom's wedges that I had probably from the time that I was like 14 up until the time that I was 21 and they they were my favorite shoe (laughs) I found every reason to wear those things I was like 
it was like the, every every two months we gotta just bust them out like we need to show up we need to show out we need to let these bitches know who's in charge <laughs> and so it became that where every once in a while i would just be like you know what let me let me just put on you know a little something like let me like really you know give people something to look at today and you know those in those moments it was just different i just carried myself so much differently because I didn't feel like I was limiting myself. Like I, I, all of a sudden I wasn't actually like holding myself back. And, you know, it's not like I was going, you know, to class like a Victoria's Secret model, but I was putting myself in such a different mindset that eventually I was like, you know, why don't I just do this all the time? Like why, why am I putting myself into this box and pretending like I have to, you know, quote unquote, look gay in order to be gay and of course like it, it just took t- the time to to really be like more secure um within my sexuality because initially i did come out as bisexual and then mm-hmm. slowly realizing and having several friends tell me that i'm a lesbian i was like okay i think you're right <laughs> <laughs> it was a very fun process <laughs> but i think even after uh, that point I would very often, because I like to go to the gym, like when you said like lifting weights, I was like, yes, <laughs> like that is 100% a hundred percent a power moment. Like I feel so good about myself when I'm in the gym. I feel so good about myself when I pick up a dumbbell. I, I'm the happiest person ever. Um, but when I started using dating apps, very frequently people would address me as a stud. Oh, Like I think I, I literally had some girl like straight up just say like, oh, hey, I'm like really into studs that was like her intro and I, in my mind I was like all right cool and you wouldn't be into me <laughs> sorry like this this can't happen uh, but then she followed it up with oh sorry uh that was my friend who sent that message uh he's straight you're really cute though oh that's a red flag that sounds exactly. like lies exactly and then I also like on top of that then there's also just the genuine fear of people having um like a black woman fetish mm-hmm. and I just I I was so scared of that being my dating reality and you know even though I, I'm in a like a nice committed relationship now I still kind of had to go to this period where I was like all right how can I know that I'm safe here yeah. which sucks but it's kind of like the the reality of you know dating as a black woman like whether mm-hmm. I was femme or not, that was still very much something that I was going to have to grapple with. But I think when I've gone through this process of feeling comfortable with myself and who I am, it is so much easier than to stand up and say, okay, no, I don't like, like, that's not it for me. That's not going to work. Or, Hey, if you want this to continue, you need need to examine like this part of your attraction to me because this makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that's extremely understandable because that was going to be my next question is how have you felt people like, do you think people treat you different, differently? And let's talk about partners um, or even expectations in the bedroom. Do you think that people have treated you differently because of how you present? I think I've actually treated myself differently. Oh, yeah. Let's explore that. (laughs) That A hundred percent was also just part of the shift. Um, 
I think when I was still in that more in-between phase where I was so I mean I don't I, I didn't like really become sexually active until uh college and I think I just I got the, I got it into my head not necessarily from uh, the way that I was presenting but it, they, they they linked eventually uh, but I, I got it into my head that I always had to give that mm-hmm. I had to be the one who who was I guess like performing like I I had to be the one who was like taking charge of the situation and so it's like you know I'm messaging first um I I'll pay for us like when we go out even though I did not have a lot of money at that point I was definitely a broke college student I'm still a broke college student (laughs) um but I just I had this idea that I needed to be of service to, to the person who I was seeing and it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter how they presented. That was just the narrative that I wove for myself. And then all of a sudden, because we are living in this very heteronormative society that has very rigid expectations for uh, men and for masculine people, it was so easy to just slip those two together. Where it's like, if I'm the one, if I'm the provider, if, if I'm the one offering a service, then I need to be the masculine one in the relationship. Yeah. And it's like, again, on top of that, being a black woman, already being considered to be more masculine, more aggressive in comparison to other women of other races, it was like, okay, I guess this just fits. And it was never, you know, having to do with what I actually wanted or what I actually identified as. It had so much more, it was completely just had to do with the messages that I was getting from society you know, compounded it on top of the fact that I just didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence, nor did I have a whole lot of dating experience at that point. And so when I like when I look back at it, it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's a little bit painful. Um, and I hate that I put myself through it. But at the same time, I don't think that I would feel as secure where I am today without having gone through that experience. Yeah. Yeah, I um I tend to experience that from the other side of, I, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I, the, I do experience that I'm expected to behave a certain way. I'm expected to pay. I'm expected to hold doors. Um, I'm always expected to give, which I love giving, but I really like receiving a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the questions and the stigma that's attached to that from even uh, fellow queer women and lesbians is astonishing to me even now still because why would you not want to give your your partner pleasure like why would you not want them to experience the pleasure that they give you uh, that's a whole nother podcast episode but um I, I can I can definitely understand that and then the freedom and in finding yourself and finally being okay with like, yeah, I present like this, but this is what I ask for. And then finding your tribe who, who are like that. And that's what I experienced. So yeah, that's, there's, there's not a lot of words to explain how, um, how a lot of people are living in a box that they don't even know some of them don't even know that they're living in it and they're not really truly experiencing life and pleasure um, in a way that they should. I, 
you know, it's still it blows my mind. I've been having this conversation actually for the past three days in different forms or whatnot. Of what does pleasure look like, and how does how has you and who you are impacted your journey towards pleasure? And it's, it's, I met so many fascinating people from even like at a job interview. We were talking about it and how much power people really have, and they don't. They, they just put themselves in a box and they hold themselves back. And this could be a beautiful world if we just allowed ourselves to. Like, that's been the ongoing theme. I hope you got the job. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. And me too, because I really, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of just, you know, talk about people. And that's what I loved about it. And I, and I, I hate people and I love them at the same time. I hate people because we stand in our own way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the fact that there's even a conversation about, I, someone being treated differently because they're feminine, that's a problem. And that tells you what people really think about femininity. Um, I should say though, on a surface level, because I do think what we assign the emotions and the characteristics that we assign to femininity and masculinity are actually either one and the same or they're just not accurate, Mm -hmm. right? I think uh, I personally think nurturing behaviors are very powerful. Um, I think if your in- first impulse is to destroy and be aggressive and silence everyone behind around you, that is a uh, secondary emotion based off fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's a whole thing, but I, I, I'm getting off track. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting off topic. Um, so to dig deeper into like past partners and you being free through your femininity. Did you, did you experience and feel free if you don't want to answer anything like that, but did you experience, um, I guess a more, uh, pleasurable sexual experience with your partner as well. Once you really settled into yourself. Yes. And no, um, I don't have a very, uh, extensive body count uh, to say the least oh that's fine <laughs> like too too graphic yeah. um i think i haven't really been with many people since coming into the the femme identity mm-hmm. um i would actually say yeah I, I would say outside of i think like my the, my current girlfriend i think i don't think anyone else has has really been able to fully experience uh, my femme identity, both, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, sexual experiences, but then even just in, in a lot of like my uh, queer spaces, like my queer circles, you know, not a lot of people have been able to experience that yet. Um, partially because uh, it's still like a very recent thing for me. Mm-hmm. And then also because there was a pandemic. Um, yeah. I haven't really had a lot of time <laughs> to spend time with people. Um, so that's been fantastic. Um, and I would even say just with kind of being at home for an extensive part of, you know, the last year, there hasn't really been a lot of times that I've really played up the identity. Yeah. And I actually kind of slipped, you know, with my girlfriend into um, the role of the provider, um, the role of the housewife, you know, um, to mm-hmm. say the least. Uh we kind of accidentally U-hauled each other. Well, I, I accidentally U-hauled her. Um, 
long story short, uh, my apartment or my house had termites and I did not want to stay there because my landlord was not going to do anything about it. So I just shacked up with her for a little bit uh, and it was, it was honestly great, but it was very easy to kind of fall into this um, domestic type of femininity of, oh, you know, let me just pick up around the house. Let me um, clean up, you know, let me do laundry. Let me cook for you. Let me go grocery shopping, like all these little things. And I think like, you know, it was definitely enjoyable to a certain extent because, you know, most people, you know, didn't have that. A lot of people were just kind of sitting at home alone um, or were in situations that, you know, weren't all that great. So I was like definitely very fortunate in that sense. Um, But there was some part of it that was almost like missing. Yeah. And, you know, my, I was still, I was still going to work in person at that point, but I was the only one in the office for a pretty long time. So I didn't even bother, you know, putting on very nice clothing. I was like, all right, leggings, graphic t-shirt, hat. My hair has been in twists for the past like 18 months. So, you know, there was nothing like really going on. Um, and it, 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 it took a toll on me yeah. um, because, you know, I was looking at myself and I was like, you know, this isn't, this isn't really, you know, the way that I want to be, the way that I want to look, the way that I want to carry myself. And so since then, it's kind of been this reformulating of myself and the way that I carry myself. And that in turn is kind of reformulated, uh, like the way that I see myself in that relationship. And yeah, it's, it's been nice. <laughs> yeah. Like that was going to be my, yeah. I'm curious, like, um, your relationship with your body and even like how it moves, whether that's just outside or during sex, like, was there a change or was it just like, I've always been here. This has always been me. This has always been us. We're just now feeling it and experiencing it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. for example, um, I get this a lot. I used to get this a lot more so than I do now. Because I think, you know, people, it's pretty obvious now. But um, I had an ex-girlfriend one time tell me, you know, I can tell exactly what you want by the way you look at me. I was like, what does that even mean? She's like, (laughs) your body and how you hold even your face changes. And she was like, that signals to me whether you want to give or receive. And I was like, oh, I mean, I I suppose because honestly, the voice in my head kind of changes too. So I guess Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And then I really started thinking about it. And I was like, well, that's one thing that I've always, I do love about me. Um, And I, in partners, future partners or partners that I'm actually really close to, I'll be like, I hope you're ready for that. Um, (laughs) Because it's a lot. (laughs) Um, I will never ask you to do anything that I can't do or take anything that I can't take. So there's that. But, um, you you know, that that when she told me that I, I remember just thinking like, wow, like there's a there's a there's a physical embodiment of how I feel at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on what aspect and what energy is is manifesting itself in my body at that point in time that's so fascinating to me so i'm wondering like did you experience or maybe not even with a partner but just even looking at yourself or moving with yourself or how you receive pleasure was that different than when you were uh, presenting a little bit more androgynous or masculine 
Oh, hundred percent. I mean, like that 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 confidence was it was it was always there, but again, it was really only there at those moments where I was like, you know what, I'm putting on the Tom's heels today, and I'm going out, and I'm I'm letting these bitches know who's boss. <laughs> but now that it's every day. And even like literally like right like right now I've been making this like very like conscious and like aggressive effort to make sure that I am, you know, wearing like very, you know very specific like outfits to work like I planned it out the night before like I've I've been trying to swap out my clothing like frequently I'm like I I need to constantly be putting something in front of myself and putting something on myself that makes me feel like me and that makes me feel comfortable and that makes me feel powerful. And I want to present in a way that makes me feel powerful. And even like, it just, it completely changes like the way that I talk to myself. And it's like, even if I'm having a really bad day or, you know, I'm feeling really sad, it's like, I put on this outfit and it's just, it just, it, it boosts me up like just, just a little bit. And I think that people do, you know, they're, they're naturally just going to react differently to that because it's like, instead of being, you know, someone who's upset and kind of withdrawing into this shell and withdrawing into a very sheltering aesthetic and a, a very sheltering exterior expression. Instead, it's like, you know, I'm upset, but I'm out here wearing, I'm wearing bright colors. I'm wearing fun jewelry. Like I have something fun to look at, something that really, you know, just gets me motivated and like gets me energized. You know, granted, you know, the, the entire identity doesn't just, you know, center around what I'm wearing, um, it really does for me exist relative to other women and the way that I want other women to perceive me. But it's still important, like uh, on a daily basis, to I was like revalidate that for myself and remind myself of like who I am and what I love, what my needs are. That's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so my last question: What would you say? Uh, I do think there's this level of, and this can happen for many different reasons. I think there's, there are women, I'm going to use this term in particular because I want to speak to black women right now in in this moment about this mm-hmm. is because that's how I experienced it as a black woman, but also that's how I see my peers experience it too. Mm-hmm. I think you have some women who are feminine and they might not know how to Uh, curate their aesthetic yet Mm -hmm. and even though we can watch videos we can look at pictures um sometimes it's kind of hard to find you know what exactly is me right I always joke around with people and I'm like you know these niggas out here are lucky that I'm not straight because I'll be a straight up man eater the wig (laughs) would be I I would just be a wig fiend I already know it because I am fascinated by them now I already know it would be worse if I would wear them all the time I want to see it I want to see it (laughs) one of these times I haven't figured out when I'm going to bring it out yet but one day I'm just going to pop up and it's just going to be like straight up just on my joint and everyone's going to be like really y'all really and be like yep y'all lucky this is only for the night I'm but uh-huh. my feet every three minutes. But like, uh, I think there are, and you know, I've even dated someone like that where we were athletes and she really struggled with finding her feminine aesthetic. Like 
sexually it was there. Uh, it was great, but um, she had a really hard time for whatever reason. There's several different reasons finding that, and it was interesting. Me, I was, I was definitely, I was, I don't identify as a stud now, but I was a baby mm-hmm. stud then. And I remember having conversations with her, teaching her how to do certain stuff because my mother taught me some things. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, that might not be how you find that. That might not be your your your. Um, you, that might not match your particular hair. You gotta get this wheat. This uh, what do you call them? Uh, see, I don't even remember anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, you know the little packets of hair. What are they called? Like bundles? Yeah, bundles. Bundles. I don't know anything about... I I can figure out real hair. I have not figured out fake hair yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like all of these... And then, of course, as we were coming up, you know, the natural hair, we started wearing our hair more natural. So I I learned... I was learning how to bantu knot my hair. I'm actually going to do that later tonight. Um, And so all of these things. And um, I noticed some women who are absolutely feminine. They're feminine center. They have a hard time just figuring out a starting point. Um, and I'm curious to say, what advice would you give to those women? And I also want to talk about the women who might not feel like they're fem enough. Because let's yeah. also talk about that. Your idea of femininity, not you, but everyone's individual idea of what femininity is really belongs to them. And that is okay. Mm-hmm. That is completely fine. If you're like, I don't wear heels because I got bad knees. I am right there with you. That is fine. Um, but I, w- I would be curious to see what your advice would be for women who are looking to be like, you know what? I do want to step my game up. I do want to wear more colors. I do want to explore different cuts of dresses and outfits and jumpers and all these things. But I just don't know where to start. Go to a thrift store. Probably not Goodwill, but make do as as necessary go buy a bunch of like three dollar shirts and skirts and dresses and pants and shoes and take it home and just try it on and keep doing that until you find what makes you feel comfortable when i first was jumping into this idea of you know really being femme i was literally on a date with somebody and they called me soft butch (laughs) i was like (laughs) excuse me <laughs> because I, I showed up wearing jeans a v-neck and you know converse but to me I was thinking oh wow I've got these like really slim fit high-waisted jeans on like I've got this like you know v-neck shirt you know we're maybe getting a little bit of cleavage out and you know converse are converse they're just good shoes it's not yeah. feminine, it's not masculine it is what it is and so for me I was like kind of like really beginning to feel confident in that identity but the way that somebody else had perceived me was like like it was like a shock it was like I've been like hit by a bus I was like oh my god like what like this is not like how how I want to be perceived and eventually it kind of began to get to this point where you know that look while you know comfortable in terms of like you know fabric and and uh being able to fit in different scenarios it really isn't something that I enjoy every day for myself. Maybe every once in a while if I just want to chill out. But it's it's not what I wanted my everyday aesthetic to be. And even now I'm kind of going through this like revisioning of, of my aesthetic because I color coordinated all the clothing in my closet. And I realized that half of my uh, clothing pieces are black, white, or beige, 
which to be quite honest is boring. I do not do skin tone colors. Uh, I, I, I want more excitement. So now it's like, all right, where can I find greens and blues and oranges and, and pinks and vibrance and, and yellow and like, anything? Like, wait, where can I weave these things in? And I say that because finding your aesthetic, finding your femininity is not a one step process, nor does it stay consistent. It is exactly the same as every other piece of yourself that you begin to unravel as you get older. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just this part of life that as you learn more about yourself, as you learn more about what you want and what your needs are, of course, it's going to change. And so don't be afraid to just jump in with both feet and try something because you might like it, you might not. But whichever way it ends up, you learn more about yourself. I'm curious, honestly, like how, like how did you actually get to finding, you know, comfort in the way that you present? Oh, that's a funny story. Um, (laughs) I was, you know, I was dating someone. I was like my freshman year. I feel like it was my freshman year of college and I was dating someone. And um, that was an interesting time period for me because I was actually dating her when I showed up to school. So, you know, I was typical basketball girl where, you could tell where I wanted to go, but I wasn't mm-hmm. ready to go there yet. So mm-hmm. at that time I was wearing chucks and I finally had found jeans that were long enough for me, but they, you know, slim fit. Um, my shirts, because I, I am built like a bas- basketball girl, so I'm really broad shouldered. I'm lanky. So women's shirts never really quite fit me correctly anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you still had a little bit of that. Like I still had stuff from high school left that I would be wearing, but you know, with playing college basketball, most of the time you're in sweats. It gets to the point mm-hmm. where you're just in basketball shirts, um, tank tops and sweats. And so I remember Christmas break, you know, we go off because you do have to come back being a basketball player. You are only get like maybe two or three days off for Christmas and then you're back. But the campus is closed. So we were staying at a hotel. And I remember having my Christmas money and going to the mall and going into American Eagle because I've seen – You know, I'm away from my parents. I'm away from everybody. And I've seen in Baltimore these girls walking around with these these men's clothes on. And, you know, you know the sudden thing. And it was beyond that. Like, I'm just seeing people who look like me looking like they really enjoy what they're wearing. And, I, you know, it just clicked one day. I was like, I should buy a pair of men's jeans. And so I go into American Eagle and I I got some matching boxers, too. And I got the boxers and I got these, they were probably like a a light wash ripped American Eagle jeans and they just fit so freaking well. And I had just, (laughs) yeah, that's like 2010, (laughs) right? Yeah, this is, oh, this is easily 2006. And, um, I I had my Tim's, I got Tim's and there were men's Tim's, I believe that year too. So I finally got some Tim's that fit my feet the way that I wanted them to. Because my mom kept buying me women's Tim's and I have narrow feet and it just doesn't look right. Like, no, absolutely not. So I bought myself some men's Tim's and um, I had a matching hoodie. And I walk into the hotel and she wasn't my girlfriend at the time, but we were discovering that we might've been into each other. And her reaction, even my other teammates' reactions, like, oh, I see you. Yeah, that's you right there. That's you right there. And I will never, and ever since I haven't gone back, but like my first, it just, I just, something just clicked. And I was like, I should do this. And I can do it because no one's going to see me do it. It's like, I'm going to be 
in school and no one's going to see that would push against this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then it just kind of ran off. You know, I started wearing ties. I don't wear ties anymore. I wear skinny ties occasionally, but I don't wear ties anymore. Like I really explored that from the fitted hats, you know, in those early 2000s, you know, fashion was very interesting. I never got to a point where I was wearing throwback jerseys yet, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just fell into it and it just felt right. Like my body finally was able to settle and women responded to me too. Like that's mm-hmm. the other half of that is women responded to me in a way that I wanted them to. Honestly, gay men responded to me the way that, yeah, it was the confidence. And what really did it for me were the gay men who were like, oh, you handsome. And I'll get misgendered by them all the time. I st- Occasionally I still do. And I think it's hilarious. But, um, and I loved it because I just felt affirmed. Like I felt seen. Um, and, but at the same time, like, let's talk about what happened after. It's like, that was great. And then, you know, I turned 29 and I got a body now. Like, I don't know where these breasts came from. I haven't always had these. Um, I got a little bit more curvier. And um, I love that too. I, I do bind. I do wear a binder occasionally because sometimes I just want my shirts to fit a certain way. But I also love the way that women respond to my body now. Um, I, I do. I love it when I take the binder off. They're like, oh my God, you got, you got, you got titties. It's like, yeah, I got titties. <laughs> or like, the, I, I I had another friend, we went to Miami, and she goes, yeah, people keep commenting on the picture. They were like, where the fuck your titties come from? I was like, they rude. But yeah, you know, they <laughs> You know, um, and so, but I also, sometimes even now I do, there are occasions where I feel, again, because I, I buy them because I want my t-shirts to fit a certain way. I want my button-ups to look a certain way when I wear them. And my breasts don't allow that sometimes. Yeah. And so my relationship with my body has changed, but I've used and figured out a way for me to feel comfortable with both my body and my presentation. So yeah, I kind of fell into it. Uh, But once I did, I I felt the same way. Well, that's what it's about. It's about comfort. Like, are you comfortable with yourself? It's about building up that bodily autonomy because otherwise trying to go into these experiences with other people it's going to be so much more confusing and so much more difficult to communicate like what you need in that scenario. Right. And I think that was also part of like what I was having an issue with. And honestly, I think that a lot of just like queer women in general have the issue of not really knowing how to navigate relationships with other women because we're grown up and we're giving a narrative of how to navigate those relationships with men and what it's going to be like. And, and you talk to all your friends about it. And it's like, it's very specific and it's, it's permeates almost every single aspect of our culture. But, you know, when you're kind of just thrown out to the wolves with, okay, well, women are not wolves, but (laughs) (laughs) I I talk about being gay. Like, it's just so horrible. I really love it. To be honest. (laughs) When, when you're kind of forced to, go about these situations without really having all the examples or all the media or if you don't even have like any other older you know queer people to rely on or to talk to it's scary yeah I mean it is really scary no I agree and also too it's like how do you uh, I run into um, learning to ask for what you want and not feeling ashamed about that 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, don't assume that people read your mind because we're performing. No, like if you don't like something, it's okay to say that there's so many other things we can do. And I think women have always been taught to just kind of accept things the way they are. And we see it with the heterosexuals, right? Like these women really are out here having sex with men and never had orgasms. I don't understand a point of that unless you're trying it's to have a baby. Right. Right. And so I think that does, especially if we talk about like femme erasure in the queer community where you can't really tell if you're gay or not because you look like everybody else and black women in particular. I think a lot of black women just look queer, period. Yeah, we're just like that fabulous. Someone's gonna hear me saying like 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 fighting Meg, Megan Thee Stallion as a queer woman, and they're gonna be like, "Wait, what? She's a she's a who? Like, what do you mean?" And it's like, "Yeah, girl, she's bi. Like, she's said it multiple times. I'm sorry, you can't read." <laughs> right, and so I think it's something that you know we're really comfortable with, or we're getting comfortable with, but we also have to understand with that, like, you actually are free, and that means you can ask for things. Um, you can you can demand things like exactly. honestly if we are sleeping together and you're not getting off there's a problem I'm cool with not stopping until we figure out what you like you know and I have so many issues with women not understanding it's almost like I have to we have, there's a lot of conversations that have to happen with that because it's like no it's really okay if you've most of them slept with men before so their idea of like what sex should be like oh that's also annoying it's like Mm-hmm. men have I should say society has created this culture that sex only revolves around penises and them and their pleasure and so it's kind of hard to start having conversations around pleasure with women who have learned that their pleasure doesn't matter or their opinion doesn't count or all of these things and like they have to roll this role and perform like I don't care how you sound if you want to growl at me growl at me that's fine I find it sexy what's sexy about this is you feeling comfortable enough to be that naked with me that you're not thinking about how you sound you're not thinking about how you look right now like you're not thinking about these things you're just here present with me and um I, I, I love that, but I, I am encountering, and you know, it's actually interesting is as I get older, um, I'm encountering that more and more. And I'm just like, I, you know, I, like when we talked, I was telling you about the story about how I figured out how I was going to present and like what made me comfortable. That was really early on. So I've been pretty much myself in that aspect for a very long time. Um, on top of that, there's a masculine privilege that comes with that, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've been free from for some stuff for a very long time. You know, occasionally I'll be reminded of what it feels like when I have like on some spandex and I'm going to go play volleyball or something like that. And, you know, I get catcalled and then I'm just like, oh, this is nasty out here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. how do women exist in this space? Um, I think my relationship relative to men has also been something that I've had to consider um, because for me... I just accept that men are going to flirt with me, that they're going to recognize me and look at me and think that I'm straight. So they're going to just go for it. Um, and that's not, you know, a, a bad thing. Like I'm not going to demonize men for like shooting their shot, but it's just, it's a very kind of like odd area to navigate because like, I don't care because I'm not interested, <laughs> but then it's like, 
you know, how, how do I get out of this? You know, it's like this, this, it's fun until it's not. And then I'm like, okay, well, do I tell you that I'm gay and risk violence? Do I just walk away and risk violence? Like, or, you know, do I, and, and, and I, you know, hate making other people feel bad. So then it's like, you know, how do I, how do I end this conversation with as little pain to like me and the other person as is possible? And then, you know, on top of that, just constantly like dealing with being catcalled, um, having, I mean, I was literally like working out in, you know, my girlfriend's building and a, a guy tried to like, come up to me and like ask if I wanted to like work out with him. And I mean, I don't even register half the time, like when these guys are flirting with me, I was just like, oh my God, he's muscular. I want to be muscular too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have everything that I want. Let's go. Let's work out. I'm ready. Um, and so then he, after he asked if I wanted to work out, he was like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, oh, no, I have a girlfriend. Oh, wait, that's what yeah. you're asking. And I, I, I honestly, I still, I feel bad about it because I feel like I've led someone on just based in, in the way that I present and the way that I know that I'm perceived. So that's like, it's, it's a very, I guess, like kind of frustrating area to, to really navigate and in a way that doesn't hurt me, that doesn't hurt these other, you know, people. And also you know, that doesn't hurt the person that I'm in a relationship with. Right. I think it's so interesting that one of your first thoughts were leading someone on because of how I present. And my issue with heterosexuals that they actually, I think this is across the board with people is how do I say no one is you're not entitled to people's attention yes right and if you're interested interested in someone actually express that and just and don't try to sugarcoat it and make it seem like because to me I looked at it as that's a trap (laughs) he is trapping you like and I don't like it when it's not just men who do that it's all types of people who do that um actually that happened to me when this girl came up to me and she was like oh, I was going to talk to you, but you didn't seem interested. And I was confused because I was like, I was literally just saying hi to a friend. And I, it's not that I didn't notice her. I didn't notice her because I was saying hi to my friend. Mm-hmm. But like, I also, it was the inference that I should have been all up in your face because I found you attractive. Mm-hmm. And then you assume that I wasn't, that I wasn't single because I didn't find you attractive. When all you had to say was, hi, my name is so-and-so. I find you attractive. Are you single? And I would have been like, yes, I'm single. Thank you. Tell me about yourself. Like, it's it's this, this idea that he, one, he only wants your time and he's only offering something in exchange, right? But also, two, that he's entitled to that attention in the first place. And, like, I don't think anyone I understand why you would feel that way but like I also I also wouldn't want you to feel that way because that's mm-hmm. not fair to you that's not that has nothing that has nothing right to do with you that was all him and his intentions of what he was what he really should have been more direct um but also that's awkward and it's weird <laughs> it's weird yeah. that people do that because <laughs> so like I was actually really excited to have a workout buddy because at that point I've been trying to get my girlfriend to work out with me and she was saying, no, no, no. So I was like, okay, here's somebody to fill a role. <laughs> here's right. somebody to fill a, a, a need in my life that I just have right now. Right. And it's like, oh, actually, no, you know, that's, that's not what I wanted. Right. And I love to lift heavy. Uh, my style of lifting is very, it's similar to men's. So like, I totally get that. 
and it and it's you know i don't know i tell people all the time like hey just say it straight up if it's awkward for other folks it's probably not a good fit anyway because i've been known to say stuff like right off the top of my i just told a girl i met her yesterday and i was like yo your eyes sparkle you got a fire about you and i don't know what it is about you but i'm extremely intrigued and i just couldn't keep it to myself because i was like i'm not gonna like sit up here and not text you because like oh it's too soon you know the texter no like i actually really enjoyed her company and her energy and i i want to spread that and and it's not that i want anything from you like it's I, it's not that it's just i want you to know like yo you're dope um have you tried like dating apps like oh yeah <laughs> i'm on a, I'm, I'm on um i've had interesting experiences but this is like the best one i've had because honestly i think it's the reason why the reason why tinder right now is working for me because this is the first time that I've been 100% intentional, honest, and I not that I'm a liar. No, that's not, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But like, my vibe is there. And I say that because, you know, I used to run like a whole lesbian singles thing and all this other stuff. And when you read these articles, they're always like, yo, talk about your interests and say something quirky and funny and blah, blah, blah. So uh, you know, my profile used to be like, hey, my name is Ashley. I'm sporty, but I'm a little nerdy. I love Disney. Um, you know, I would leave out some of the things that are very much prominent in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was cute and everything, but I realized I wasn't attracting the women that I really wanted to attract, which honestly are aggressive, feminine, presenting women. And I'm like, where are they? I just don't understand. So COVID hits. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm ready to date. I did my shadow work. You know, I did everything. You know, I worked some stuff out. I was like, I think I'm ready. I am ready to at least start exploring. And so my current my, my current um, profile is basically like, hey, listen, I can either spank you or we can take the time to get to know each other. But I'm emotionally intelligent enough to have both conversations. And then, you know, I think I go into like, um, maybe, I don't even know if I mentioned some of the stuff I'm in, but that's like the first sentence. <laughs> and the amazing quality of Black women that have responded to that is amazing. It, it's just, it's mind blowing to me. It's like, this is all I had to do. And the reason why, to go back to why I said that was honest, the other profile was honest too. But my main vibe is that intensity. It's like, yeah, no, I really do. I'm really thoughtful about how I say about things and how I approach things. And I do love sex a lot. And I do like playing and I do like kink. And I, um, but we can also have a conversation about, hey, let's take it slow. Cause some people aren't ready for that. Like there's things that come with that. Like there needs to be conversations around where we both are. And like, maybe we want to be friends. Maybe we just want to play together. Maybe we want to be in serious relationships. Either way, I want to be a safe space for that other person to have those conversations and bounce those ideas off of me. Mm-hmm. And I think once I started really showing myself, I just started attracting, you know, better dates. And mm-hmm. so um, surprisingly it's Tinder. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put my money on Tinder, but it's, it's been good to me recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost feel like a lot of dating profiles are worded the same way that you would find like, the profile for like a dog up for adoption it's like hi i'm sammy i love long walks in the park um i don't like 
you know, this thing, but like, this thing is awesome. I'm great with kids. Um, let me know if you want to meet up sometime. Like you, what sucks about online dating is that you really have to sell yourself. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, you can do either in the dog waiting for a home kind of way, but you can also do it in the way that you've described where it's like, just be being very upfront and wording it in a way that just gets people's attention. Like, just like that. And you're probably the, like the person that every woman on a dating app is just like waiting to swipe right on because the number of times where I've read the joke of, you know, when two women match on a dating app, who, who sends the first message? Yeah. Versus like, if you're a woman dating men, it's like the men always send the first message. Like it's, it, it's like, it's like a no questions asked kind of thing. Right. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where, you don't have a clear narrative of how to navigate these relationships. And I feel like a lot of times people just freeze in the moment. Yeah. And they don't know how to take the next step. Yeah. But it's easy to swipe left and right, but starting that conversation with somebody is a lot harder. Right. And so for me, it's really revealing if you send me a message first. So most women that I have gone on dates with, they have sent me messages first. Mm -hmm. Um, which I appreciate because that actually is what I'm looking for. And that is a way for, I think it's extremely revealing. Like there's two ways to get my attention. Um, Buy me a drink and not because you're buying me stuff is because the fact that you even offered stands Mm -hmm. out in my mind. So I'm like already thinking, oh, you might not adhere to some of these gender norms. Interesting. Um, I love it when women send me messages first because I'm also naturally quiet. I'm not shy per se, but like, I'm really reserved and by them sending the first message is really easy for me to engage. Um, I can take it from there, but also too, it lets me know that you're enthused and that's, that's another, that's one of the most important things to me. And I've learned this. Um, Madam was on podcast last season. She talked about mm-hmm. this. Um, Cause she's in, you know, she's um, a BDSM specialist. Um enthusiasm and the importance of that and if you message me first you that feels very enthusiastic to me mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I don't it, I it's easier for me to feel more confident um talking with you and do, even doing things for you that I would normally feel inclined doing like opening the door because I do know that you do respect me too and you respect my femininity too and you respect in my case my womanhood as well um enough to be enthusiastic about engaging with me and not feeling like I owe you something or you're entitled to my intention. Mm-hmm. I think actually going through that process of becoming the person who would message first, simply out of frustration of nobody messaging, it was kind of it became a part of a couple of different experiences that did help me find the power within my femininity. And I think if if anybody were to just kind of, you know, get a summary of my personality, they would probably say that I'm somewhere in between and like masculine and feminine. And I do, you know, try my best to kind of find balance in traditionally masculine and traditionally feminine qualities and a lot of different aspects of my life. And it's just, you know, at the end of the day, I am this very powerful, you know, divine feminine woman but I feel like that power is often just considered to be its own like form of masculinity. Mm. And maybe that's why, you know, people tend to avoid it a little bit 
and, you know, find discomfort in starting those kinds of conversations. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. But um, we are at an hour right now, y'all, and we are going, I'm definitely going to have to have you back. I'm going to have to have you back, Taylor, because this has been a riveting conversation and there's so much to dive into, just even outside of the topic that we're talking about today. I I love your platform and I I just, this conversation has been great. Now I'm just like, oh man, I wish we could have talked about that, but we are are limited with time. Um, Can you tell people where they can find and follow you? Um, right now, I'm only on Instagram and Tumblr. My handle is fem is the new black, all one word, no underscores, no periods, no dashes, and I'll probably just be posting some outfits and probably a little bit of memes. I like to give people a good laugh. <laughs> well, all right Ooh. then. <laughs> and I'm about to purge my closet because I am moving in August and I can't take it all with me. So, uh, if you want to buy my stuff on Depop, uh, I'll post it probably the next like two weeks. Okay. All right. Great. Um, With that being said, thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, make sure to tune in next week. Bye.